Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and this episode is produced for Forbes, where I'm a contributor covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. Today our guest is Chris Deigelmeyer, the CEO of Tides, a remarkable nonprofit managing grundles of money for good, and we're excited to talk to Chris about the work she's doing. Chris, thank you very much for joining us today. Great. Th thanks, Devin, and, and, and thanks for pushing Forbes to have a focus on social entrepreneurship and impact investing. Uh, I'm thrilled that they let me be a part of the family, and yeah. it, it is it is a fun space to be in. I get to meet people like you all the time, and it's really a pleasure and an honor. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about Tides. What Tides does a lot, and I want to make sure that we give you an opportunity to to explain what it is. Some of those, yeah. at least, what you're doing. Great, yeah. So I think one thing that's important about Tides, it's a public charity that's been around for over 35 years. And as a public charity, uh, one thing that's really unique about Tides is we have a very specific vision we're trying to achieve in the world that's focused on sh building shared prosperity underpinned by environment and sustainability, healthy individuals and communities, education, for all and equality and human rights. So as a very, you know, driven organization to try to achieve that world, over time we've built up a number of divisions to help us do that. In the service, what we call our partner partners, and I'll go through the service offerings we have, is really to accelerate uh, the social impact of our partners and the social change field. And the, the divisions that we have is one, the Tides Foundation, where we do grant making across all those areas, both domestically and internationally. So we have a lot of perspective of what it takes to do uh, good work there. The other division we have is called the Tide Center, where for 25 years we've been incubating social ventures and providing a backbone organization so they can focus on their mission. And we've got a, currently about 160 what we call projects, but basically nonprofits out working in those areas. And when you have those two working in tandem, it gives you a very unique perspective. Thirdly, we have a shared collaborative space because there was the insight years ago, wouldn't it be good for the environmentalists to be sitting next to those doing health and equality? And if we cross-pollinate those ideas, they'll all become stronger. So we've got 12 buildings in the Presidio and also a site in New York. And then we do some consulting and advising to support all that. And then lastly, which is the final kind of lever we bring to driving change, is we have a 501c4. So we do policy and advocacy work based off that great information that we have of what's working on the ground. Fantastic. Well, it's great stuff. So. You have one of the things you do, and I guess it's uh, under the foundation work, is that you take uh, and manage a lot of donor-advised funds, right? Yes. yes. And, and my sense is that given your proximity to Silicon Valley and, and some of our past conversations, you've tapped into some of that Silicon Valley wealth for, for that money, right? 
I, I think it's it, not only the wealth, but I think, first of all, we take donor advice from, from again, across the country, but being housed in San Francisco, the, the, there is a particular presence there, but I want people to know we're, we're beyond the Bay Area. I think it's the wealth, but what's more, I think, from an impact standpoint is the innovation that Silicon Valley brings not only you know to the new tools we all use but how they also think of social impact and because we're doing that type of grant making and dealing with that donors we can also help those organizations on the ground understand what that new donor is looking for and how to use those tools so the wealth is a piece of it but it, it's a changing mindset of how to drive change that I think is equally exciting well it is exciting and you take that same innovation and you apply it to your partners and you've got a number of projects people that are operating what might otherwise look like a nonprofit that really is not registered as its own nonprofit operating under your umbrella tell us a little bit about how that works and how you're adding value there uh, that, that's a great question I think what we realized early on is especially in that startup phase you get a lot of people that have rich experience, whether it be community activism or in healthcare on a clinical, and they see a need. That doesn't necessarily mean they have the good financial skills or that they want to. Like, who wants to be an, not everybody wants to be an expert in human resources. So, by providing those backbone services, they're able then to more focus on the mission. Um, and let me give two stories of why I think it leads to more efficiency in the sector. You know, as I tell all the projects, you don't have to go through an audit. I'm the one who has to deal with the auditors. And, and for example, I'm like, didn't they just leave and they're coming back in December? So if you think of all the executive directors around the world, if they never had to go out to bid for an audit, have the audits come in, because I'm handling that centrally. So that frees up their time. A second example, in this world of, of healthcare, our healthcare provider just came to us with an over 17% increase projected for next year. And we were able, because we're at a scale of large enough to say, okay, well, we're going to walk away and we're going to look for other options. They're like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. We'll, we'll negotiate. And we were able to get down to a 4% increase. So all those 160 projects get a 4% increase versus a 17%. Because if you're an organization with 5, 10 employees, you're not going to have that ability to negotiate. So I think those are kind of on the operational side where we add value. But equally important is on the content side. Because I've got you know 20 organizations working in the environment, and I also have a number of donors that focus on the environment. So I can share that knowledge across our divisions that I really think helps drive change on the ground also. Well, it is great because you've got all these resources that you can use to support uh, the, these projects so that they don't yes. have to be experts in all of the administrivia of running a nonprofit. Yes. They can focus on missions. So it's a really incredibly valuable service that you're offering. I wonder if you could give us a couple of examples of some of of the projects that you are fostering, if you will. Yeah, let me, um, I, you know, a couple of the early ones um, right now, people are familiar with in the environment with Annie, who founded the story of stuff um, years ago, 
which was how do we take this really complex information uh, of the environment and turn it into a way where the average person can absorb it and we're used to seeing all these great video snippets now well they were the early entrance in that of how do you take a complex idea synthesize it down in an engaging way to drive change uh, and so they've really been a great voice of you know in the environmental space moving you know something new forward we have other examples of um, CCI which has been a project of ours for a long time that started out really locally supporting community health clinics in a very grassroots way and over their history of you know over you know 10 years with tides have evolved into actually helping drive innovation across community health clinics uh, so they, their initial inception was we need to just help them get IT and now obviously with all the changes in healthcare a lot of that you see in these big, you know, highly um, wealthy, big hospital type institutions, but these small health clinics were getting left out of what, are, what were the innovations that could help them deliver services. So I think those are, you know, great examples where somebody had a great idea, we helped them get off the ground, you know, we're fine once they, you know, when, whenever they want. We think success, we call, they spin off to their own 501c3. Sometimes that happens, and sometimes they stay with us for as long as they're in existence. I want to just shift gears a little bit because those are great examples, very inspiring. I want to just drill down for a minute. You're relatively new at Tides. You're at a point in your career where you, could, you have a lot of options. There are a lot of places you could be. Why are you at Tides? Why are you passionate about this work? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a nice, nice, nice question. So I think prior, couple, two points with that. One is prior to coming to Tides, I was the executive director for the Center for Social Innovation at Stanford. And a lot of the folks I'm sure who listen to you know that we founded the Stanford Social Innovation Review. We did a breadth of executive education and really I think played a pivotal role in building the field of social innovation underpinned by cross-sector solutions. Prior to that I was more in the social entrepreneurship space in various capacities and I think I had a great um, opportunity at Stanford to push the ideas but within an academic institution there's a limit of what you can do in terms of really driving change on the ground and Tides had this mix of, like I said, these divisions that we had that were heavily on the ground and the grant making and the lobbying, which was this perfect opportunity, you know, to take all those levers and drive change differently, I think, in the 21st century. Uh, and I think the vision for Tides is, is held steadfast for years, but as you know, doing this work, whether it be donors or entrepreneurs, their identity is different and the tools that they are using to drive change are also evolving quickly and Tides has the opportunity to help support kind of that acceleration of change on the ground. So we, we, get, to, we, we get a lot to do a lot of things um, and our point of view around the world we're building, most public charities are much more neutral where I think we have a very 
clear goal that we're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's. Uh, I see how that aligns with your view of the world, your mission, your objectives, and it's great to find a place where you can be, uh, kind of live your dream, live yeah. your impact. Yeah, yeah, and, and Tides is known for innovation, so I just, I, I just keep getting to do more of that. Well, and you're headquartered in uh, just a spectacular location where you yes. have an opportunity to work and partner with so many great people. Uh, and I mean, of course, literally right there in the Presidio, but of course, in a, in a broader sense, in the Bay Area, you get, yes. you get a great, great dynamic there for for doing good. Well. Chris, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. Before we wrap up, will you just take a minute and try and explain in, in the most practical terms who ought to reach out to you, why they ought to reach out to you, and how they should reach out to you? Great. So I think there's a broad group of people where if you have an idea, um, and whether that's you want to do your giving differently around this agenda we've set out, shared prosperity, environment, equality, you know, human rights and education, if that's compelling to you and you're not sure what to do with your giving. You want, you know, you want to think about, you know, being strategic. You want to, you know, get your funds in an area that you can drive change both on the investment side and the grant. We're a great place for that. And then equally, you know, if you're one of those entrepreneur types that have an idea that you want to start and you've gotten far enough along that, you know, there's a plan in place, you there's some sense like you're ready to go. We're not at just the idea stage. You've got to be more ready to go because that's what we provide you as the backbone organization. Um, you know, definitely reach out to us. Um, to find that information and you can and the best way to do that is through uh, the website which is tides.org and there is a link there right on the website where you could say oh I'm interested in this I'm interested in that um, or consulting advising our space is pretty full right now so I'm not gonna you know um, we actually don't really have any space available but that can change uh, so I would just encourage people to go to the website click you know and and click through and we'll get back to you with the real person um, based on what your interest is fantastic well uh, Chris thank you very much for your time today congratulations on your new job and we wish you every success there at tides great great thanks Devin and and keep up this you know fabulous work that you're doing in the field no thank you let's do some good yes Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devin hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.